Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to Comedy Goldmines. God damn it. I'll say it again, and I'm going to say it with a little more feeling and a little more passion. Welcome to Comedy Gold Mines, where we do what? Well, we get inside the minds of amazing comedians. And today will be no different because we got a great mind. We got a mind with history. We got a legend. We got David Spade yeah. in the goddamn building. David Spade, very close to you. Uh, 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 Kevin, uh, you're, you're a great dude. You're a very upbeat guy I see out in the world. And uh, love talking to you, actually. Man, you know what? I didn't know. I'm going to start off. I didn't know you were a fucking car guy. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Actually, Barrett Jackson is a car auction that I have two cars in this year. And they might have said, do you have anything in Barrett? Or have you? I don't know if they said No, I bought, I bought a car from Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, Barrett has its pros and cons. Yeah. And, and the car that I bought is a uh, 50, 59... 59 um corvette okay uh mint green fucking great car but i ended up doing a bunch of shit to it and 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 putting the car in like mint mint condition so yeah but i i like build cars from the ground up like that's my okay that's my real hobby like that's really what i do so you know the hard part sometimes for me is like uh for talking about cars like i get um I'm, you know, everyone sort of has their section of cars they like. I, I sort of like those old uh, Mopar sort of early. I'm a Mopar shit. guy. And they're cool. And we use them in movies. And then I was looking at them. And I kind of dug them. I got into them more. We had one in uh, a lot of these movies. So uh, the, the hard part is I don't know enough mechanically. So it's a little, mm. I'm just this rich actor that comes in and swipes it. And everyone gets mad. And uh, one time I bought a uh, Grand National. And this super cool dude had it forever. <laughs> And he met me at like the Vons parking lot. And he's like, oh, it's you? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm going around. I go, it's pretty nice. He goes, yeah. By the way, when you when you clean the air conditioner, you, there's these special Q-tips to get in the vents. I go, yeah, yeah, all good guy. I got it. And he goes, you're not going to. I go, I don't give a fuck, dude. I'm just going to buy it and drive it and drive it in the ground. And, and he's like, but this is my baby. I go, that's the bummer. Once you sell it, it's over. But I, I do like the cars, but the Grand National, I drove a lot. And I thought it was cool. Uh, it's I hard. got a Grand National. Oh, you do? I have a Grand Yeah, Aren't I got a GNX. Sweet? Yeah. Oh, a GNX. Uh, oh. Got a GNX. A little nice. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a collector, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm real. 537 made or 500 made. I think I got number, I think I got like number 228. Uh, I got about 2,000 miles on it, maybe. Good solid right in the middle somewhere where it's somewhere all, they right know how to build them. They got it right. right they got it right, down. Right in the fucking got the middle, kinks man. out. Yeah, it's hard because they're, if, if they're so nice, sometimes like I drove, I had a 69 Hemi Daytona four-speed and uh, it's like one of those Joe Dirt cars, the big mm-hmm. whale tail in the back. And uh, it was just hard because they have the, the original tires. Everything was original. And I'm going up La Siena, guy, you know, I, I used to be a valet. I know how to drive a stick, but 
it's it's it gets the wobs on the freeway. It's not built like a Tesla goes way faster, you know. So what I do is I basically I'm a pro touring builder. So I get the Jesus old cars, Christ. but I modify the inside of the car Resto to run mod. like yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So so all of the cars from the outside they give you every bit of old school old all the fun field. you like yeah. Um, and you don't go crazy in the inside like when interior you don't make it look ridiculous so that if you ever did want to sell it you couldn't. You just do the you do the uh, the 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 resto to the point where everything is modern enough for today. So right. fuel injection, your intakes, the, the motor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's all, it's something that can run forever, but that's like, that's my fucking hobby. And I found out because of Barrett Jackson, that you were there. I knew that you put cars in there to go this year. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I had no idea that uh, David was a car guy. And it just, you know, it just adds a little bit of excitement about me already being a fan. You know, yeah, the last one was a 68 Chevelle and it was a resto mod and I've never had those, but I got it about a year or two ago and it had LS3 Corvette engine. It was really super pimp, pimp sled and uh, actually too cool for me, but it was so nice that, and I'm moving and I didn't have a place for it. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll get rid of it. And then I'll just, you know, the fun about the car thing is you can just go back and find another one or build find one another one. You want, there yeah. you go. Let's talk about you and the legend that you are, man. Um, yeah. David Spade. You are not only a successful comedian, you're a successful comedic actor, uh, television and film, right? Ooh, and yeah. this is a big deal. It's a big deal because you are what a lot of comics um, have referred to or looked at as one of the guys that did it right. Holy shit, man. How the fuck did he land these jobs after jobs after jobs after jobs after jobs? And it's almost now, um, I don't know, is there a sitcom Hall of Fame? Do they have one? Yeah, I'm trying to get one going. Uh, there isn't, but, uh, you know, I, I, I did have some success in that, and it was never really the plan, but I remember seeing Three's Company and those things growing up because I'm older than you. And, uh, and when you see those, and it just looks like fun, you know, to be on a sitcom, and I love comedies growing up, and, but I never dreamt big enough to be on a sitcom. I never dreamt big enough to be, like, a star or to be even in movies or anything. It was just... I was a dishwasher, I was a valet, I was a busboy, and I just, uh, I grew up in the mean streets of Scottsdale, Arizona. Actually, it's pretty Ooh. nice there, but they did have streets. And uh, <laughs> they weren't that mean, but uh, I grew up there, but we were kind of broke in a nice area, which is a weird scene, you know? You're but like, I understand broke. it. I know but exactly what you You know mean. what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's okay, because your friends have money, but you feel stupid sometimes. We, my mom and my t two brothers all shared a car, you know, and it had different dents in it from each of us smashing it. But, you know, then you do, that's just a normal way to grow up. And the dad wasn't around. And uh, so basically my big dreams were maybe go to college or maybe just find something I like to do. And mm -hmm. I, and when I started doing stand-up, my big dream was to just uh, make enough so I didn't have to borrow money from people. Just like I could just do my thing on my own. Did you stumble into stand-up? Yeah, I, I did. I um, I don't know how you did it, but I, I, uh, I finished uh, school, high school, and then everyone went off to college, and I didn't. I stayed and went to community college. Ah, we share sort of similarities, my friend. Loser vibe, I guess. But go. I didn't think of it. I was like, I, I was kind of smart. This is the word I try to get out there. But I was smart until high school, and then I got a little bit of a social life, and so I, I dropped it. I sort of wanted to have fun. Okay. And I always thought, well, I, I did great from kindergarten, eighth grade. They know I'm smart. But once it counted and people were writing it down, it didn't matter. You know, that's what it matters. I'm, I Am swear I to you, I'm right there it's with the same you. same scene. I'm right there with you. You know, in, in high school, you know, the social life, the idea of friends and going out 
um, as a guy who had some popularity and and had some really uh, had some really strong relationships with 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 nice people. I chose to prioritize that. Like that's yeah. that's what I wanted. And you know, to everybody listening, there's nothing wrong with uh being a social butterfly, but the the choice of yeah. of of putting education second definitely isn't the best one. Unfortunately, I mean it worked out. I can't I can't I know. We're we're two we're two bad examples. Yes, we but, are uh... very, two very bad examples. Uh, <laughs> oh, as I'm trying to say something good. We're not yeah. the best people to uh to to speak on this particular thing. But okay. I did the same thing. I all my friends went to college. And yeah, I, I was left there. I was uh, stranded. I, I, by the way, in sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I was doing math club and uh, chess, you know, tournaments and spelling bees and then reading books. And then literally my brother was cool. All the schools merged together. And I had a second life because they were like, oh, you're Andy's brother. Oh, so you're cool. You're a skateboarder. You got blonde hair. And I was like, oh, no, not really. And, and I had long blonde hair. And then my school was going, no, wait, he's a nerd. He's a loser. And it was too late. It was like wildfire. The new merging schools decided I was cool. And then I just ran with it and I did not look back. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because the same thing. I had an older brother. Older brother was the cool brother. Everybody always referred to that's my older key. brother, right? Not me. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's Rob Hart's brother. That's little Rob yeah. Hart. Oh, yeah. man, we love little Rob Hart. Yeah. Mini Spade. My name for Mini a long Spade. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And then my girls, cheerleaders that liked him would talk to me. Basically, I didn't realize to get to him. Yeah. Because he was like the cooler skater and uh and he had like brown hair, but it was bleached, kind of blonde. And I did have a lot of components of a cool person. I was kind of tan back then. Mm -hmm. I had I was a skateboarder. I had uh, you know, OP shirts, long white hair, and uh absolutely no game. <laughs> And no money, but I was skateboarding. And the first day of freshman year, I broke both wrists skateboarding in a pool. So I walked in with two wrists and I looked cool. Wow. Accidentally. Everyone's like, who's this motherfucker? Yeah, he's got to be badass. Maybe he's regulating some shit on the streets of Scottsdale. Are you and your brother really close? You know, I have an older brother other than him, but Andy is great. I've always looked up to him. Brian uh, is great. He's older than Andy. And um, we all, you know, we're trying to be pretty tight growing up because the dad scrammed on us. So. Yeah. But he, he, my dad started popping back once in a while, and um, but he was getting the whiffs of some fame. You know, I was locally a teensy bit famous. The story was, I I went to my community college. The funny part was, Kevin is is I'd go back to, you know, everyone left, all my friends, which is a weird thing. My mom told me in high school at the graduation, be nice because some of these people you'll never see again in your life. I was like, what? And it's so true. There. I didn't know that. I go, also, I always have friends around. Everyone scatters. I go to community college and I'm so bored. I go back to my high school and sit on the wall at lunch. Wait a minute. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not it's so cringy. Guy. Not that And everyone's guy. like, I'm like, yeah, man. And everyone's like, hey, remember when the college guys used to come sit on the wall and they were losers? I go, yeah, those losers. I didn't even get it. I'm like, I couldn't even connect it. Like, well, that's them. I'm not. Yeah. That's not. Wait, that's not me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, and it was so fucking gross. Uh. But then I got through that. <laughs> then I saw a comedy night in a paper and I go, what's that? You know, just out of boredom and liking seeing people on S, not SNL, but you know, SNL and also like on talk shows doing stand up, you know. And I go, oh, fuck, I'd like to go watch it in real life. Mm -hmm. So I went to this club called Chuckles Classics, stupid fucking name. And, um, but it was kind of a big club in Arizona. And then I watched, I could, I was too young to get in, but I walked in and, 
I was like, holy shit, are these guys making this up? It was so fun mm -hmm. to see everyone just throwing out shit. And then I go, oh my God, I came another week. And then I go, they had an amateur night. I go, what if I just never cross my mind? What if I did this? Because I did some talent shows in high school and we were always trying to be funny. And But there's no, no one in Arizona is doing it, obviously. And that was sort of a good trick. And that was sort of why I got a little flirted with once in a while in those early years of virginity because wasn't much clicking in high school, I'll tell you mm -hmm. that. No TV shows. Mm -hmm. So it was just real deal and it was not working. <laughs> and then I get a little bit of like, I'm just at a comedy club and someone heard that and they're like, oh, that's cool. It just seemed kind of cool and different. And to women, I think that's interesting that I was breaking the norm of whatever every other guy was doing. A lot of guys were going to construction and doing this. And I'm like, I got to run to the comedy club. And they're like, what? Like on TV? Like, and I was like, I'm just trying it. And they, so I did that and I started doing it at a club around Scottsdale. And then it turned into like a fun comedy night where friends would come. And, yeah. And then I go, oh, this is turning into a cool thing. I wasn't that good, but at least I was doing it. And um, did it with a partner for a while. And then he was too stoned one night and he couldn't do it. And I go, I'm still going. And you kept going. And then I, Fucking I similarities. The oh, really? Or yes. I had, uh, I had like a partner that was, that was there with me in the beginning too. And I was traveling back and forth from Philadelphia to New York. And I was like, dude, this is it. Like, this is where, this is the work that we have to do. This is what, this is how it, it, it pays off. We gotta, we gotta commit. We gotta, we gotta be the engine to the car. We gotta, we gotta want to do it yeah. every day. And then he just fell off. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. My engine conked out too. <laughs> he was, he was blowing bowls in the corner going, we can do this next week. And I go, no. And, and by the way, being motivated when nothing's clicking is the hardest thing in the world. That's for your viewers. Like that's the hardest thing. It's the hardest. So at some point, right? You're now doing it. You now fall in love with it. And by the way, I love the backstory. So just doing a little recap. So your, your dad wasn't around, but you and your brothers, fuck man, you know what? We don't have a father. We got each other. Yeah. You figured it out. You guys are close. Um, I assume very close to your mother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, supportive of you and your career throughout. Yeah. The decision to do comedy. Was she, was she like, Oh my God, this is the best thing. Or I believe in you. Or was there hesitation at any point? Only hesitation of like, can you still do some school? Because in case, you know, we want you to have schooling. They all do. Everyone wants you to have an education. So I was going to school and then I went to Arizona state, which turns out is harder than a community college. And then I joined a fraternity Ooh. and that was the end of it because it was so hard. I can't even be like pro fraternity. And I know they're all going to hate me, but it's just so hard and so much hazing and so detrimental that I thought, what is the fucking point? I get that it's cool, but all that just to be in a room with a bunch of girls that are in a sorority and drink. And, and when you don't do it, everyone on your, uh, everyone in your school is like, oh, you're not in a fraternity. There's nothing you can do then because everything revolves around it. As a guy, I'm not in the fraternity either. I never went through the hazing yeah. or never tried. I, I was in community for two weeks. But the point and what I believe um, that's attached to it is, you know, look, it's about the brotherhood mm -hmm. or sisterhood mm -hmm. um, that lasts for a lifetime. Hopefully, and yeah. The, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the connective tissue that's supposed to come that's the pitch. Uh, from the, the fraternities in, in that particular world. So, you know, and I, and I think um, over the course of time, the hazing and stuff is kind of toned down. It's not what it once yeah. was, I think, because more people got vocal and there was some situations about it. But I do know it's supposed to be, well, A, I just graduated. I'm going to call some of our other frat brother connections. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like LinkedIn, you go, these guys will help me. Yes. And we're supposed to be able to do blah, blah, blah. They're in real estate also. I'm in real estate. That is the ideal situation. And I think that does still work. Mm -hmm. So 
just my particular old school, like getting calls at two in the morning, come pick up river rocks and bring them in. And they're going to pour oil on you and paprika. And then we're going to make you scream and do pushups and shots. And on a school night all the time, like yeah. I started failing out. I go, I can't do that and stand up and school. And I had a job uh, at a clothing store. So uh, something had to give. So I just started doing stand up. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Here's the crazy thing. This is where I start to think, like, you know, not to sound corny. It's going to sound corny, but I don't want to sound corny. So I apologize for knowing that this is going to sound corny. It's okay. But it's we just start to feel like you're a chosen one, mm. right? And and by chosen one, I mean it's untraditional, unconventional, and unpredictable, yeah. right? And what seems like all the wrong decisions sometimes for some people lead to the right decision. And that right decision of discovery of, oh, my God, I love this. Um, I suffered from what you seem to have suffered from as well, which was I'm doing it, but I don't love it. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm in this thing and I'm doing it. And a lot of people suffer from this, but they don't love it. And there's such a fulfilling, fulfilling feeling that comes with doing something that you love. There's, there's an excitement. Like you talked about it when you said, you know, there's a, the, the energy. Like there's a, oh my God, the stand-up thing. You wanted to do yeah, it. Got me Somebody excited. else fell off, but you're like, fuck that. Like I'm, I like this thing. I love this thing. And when you give something your all, you see the benefit and the payoff from it. So when, when did stand-up get your all? When did you commit to, to giving it all of you? Well, listen, I, I got... Um... I was hooked from that first night when I tried it and I was never accused of being any good. And that took a while. Like what's a while. Give me, give me a time frame for a while. It, loving it didn't mean I was good at it. Just meant I had some potential and uh, I, I tried it when I was like, you know, 18 and a half, I was pretty young and I couldn't get into some of these clubs. And then 19, I would say by 19, I knew that was it. I was, I said, I'm going to do this good or bad. I just have to do this. And the problem is, a lot of people don't have the luxury. I was scrimping so hard that it was okay. If I could make 20 bucks at, a, at an open mic here or 20, if I did a set here for gas money, if I could really just skim by, I would be okay. I didn't have any lofty goals. So it's hard to say it's, it's just so hard to chase your dreams. If they're so far fetched sometimes, you know, because you just don't know. And I just said, there's no choice. This is what I like. I got to do it. And I just kept doing it. And you know, when you, when you grind it out and try and you like something, you do better. And listen, I never liked my jobs. Of course, no one really does. It's very, it, it's work. But um, with that, as you know, it's sort of less work because thinking of a new idea for standup is like one of the funnest things in life. When you think of something, you crack a code of like going, oh, fuck, this could work. And then those are the few moments in life that are still fun. How, 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 how? Matter of fact, it shouldn't be how. 
When, 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 when <laughs> did you tap into the space where you said, this is now my career. I can support myself off of this. What was the defining moment Yeesh. that money was attached to the craft? I can quit my job. I can stop doing everything else. David Spade is now going to be a stand-up comic. <laughs> I have an announcement. Yeah, I have a stand-up. And everyone, and everyone freaks out. Um, these, are, these are informative, David. I have to ask you these questions. I know. I don't mind and, the questions. I'm trying to think if there's an answer. Here's the crazy thing. It's not just for my listeners. It's for me. That's why I do this podcast, man. I have a, I have a high level of love and interest for understanding those that share the same thing that I share a love for like i what was your journey so i want to know like when did you get to when did you get to the place where you said fuck that this is it yeah i think when i um it was earlier than i thought because i was at arizona state and i wasn't doing well in school because of the uh because of the fraternity which wasn't a bad thing it just that was my choice but once i finished that in a semester i said i don't even want to go back to school i just want to chase this other thing and um I chased stand-up and I think that was it. Now it didn't mean I made enough money. It took a long time. I always mm -hmm. had another job. I was a valet and then I was this and that. Worked at the skateboard shop. And then I was trying to get road work, but maybe make 400 a week uh, doing an opening or middling. And then it just took forever to break in. And then I got to LA probably two years when I was 20. Okay. Still wasn't doing well, but was doing the improv. Got a movie. Got a small part in a movie because I was the improv. Okay. And I just didn't look like everyone. It was really not I was the best. It was oh my God, this kid can play a high school kid. When the lineup was monster, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Kevin Nealon, Leno, all these guys, Paul Reiser. Uh, but I just, they were all like 35 New York comics. And here comes Pipsqueak. I got long blonde hair. I don't, I don't realize I don't look like everyone. And they're like, oh, this guy's interesting. <laughs> you know, let's bring him in for something. And then I, they threw me into a movie and you know, Kevin, this movie is called police Academy four and um, a good one. And uh, they, they it answered all the questions one, two and three. And, uh, and so uh, it was a trilogy. Unfortunately, they did nine of them. Fucking, I mean, how many did they really do? How many there was enough cadets are they? There was enough for two movies. They made it, I think eight. Um, but is that the longest going for is that is that second behind fast and furious <laughs> I think it was the fast and furious of its day for sure i'm telling uh, you it actually made it stayed the going on there do you remember police academy yes what do yeah, you mean okay. one of the so, biggest movies and comedies of all times that went to part one part two part three but i'm saying it continued to go and yeah I, there's not many things that have had that that level of success especially the longevity. Uh, police academy five was called spade and hobbs <laughs> No, but what happened was uh, Police Academy 4, believe me, it, I read the script. It was fizzling then. I think we could have <laughs> pulled the plug. But I don't know what – I they didn't put me in five, and I was crushed because I I made a movie and made 25 grand, and that year when I got my tax return, I had made 29 grand because <laughs> I only make four from stand-up for the whole year, and then I made, you know, that. And then the next year I plummeted because I had no movie. But I will tell you, Kevin, just so your listeners know that it is – sometimes a tough road that when I did the police Academy, I cleared, let's say, you know, taxes and I cleared 10 people go. don't know that part either. Yes. When they borrow 25, they're borrowing 75 because uh -huh. I got to make a hundred to clear 30. Absolutely. So, so I clear 10, I come home thinking I'm King cock peacocking up and down Melrose and I have to buy a car. So I give my mom three grand for some bills. 
a thousand I pay some of my own bills. And I have six left. I got to get a car to be a stand-up. I go, I could have gotten a tricked out Camaro. I could have gotten a Supra <laughs> with louvers. But instead, I bought a fucking Honda Accord. I said, I'll treat myself to sunroof, but I got to just, it's not going to get any poontang, but I just got to get from A to fucking B. I always had a shitty car. They always break down. I just want one that starts. I buy it for six grand cash. I drive it to the improv and it's stolen within one hour. You're a fucking liar. I come out to show my comedian. I go, I am back to fucking zero. I don't have any insurance. I, I just did a movie for 10 fucking weeks. I have nothing to show for it. And I'm back to zero. They stole the car? Yeah. What, did you leave the key? And I feel in like it? they followed me. I don't know. I feel like they sold me, followed me, and just stole it back. I don't know. <laughs> it was fucked. I was so down. That was my lowest point because when I, the low, and let me just really make you sick. When I was there, Bobcat Goldthwait was in Police Academy. He was very, he's a great guy, really helped me out. And I got back. And when I was there, he had, a director buddy and this director buddy was like oh you have some heat on you i don't even know what he's talking about you got a movie within a year and i go yeah it's just this and he goes you're gonna be great i want you to put you in my tv series i'm doing for fox fox was new i said oh my god this is my dream so he goes here read these sides you know he gives me sides i'm like this yeah sure no idea what a side is and he's like no just look at it and, and was reading a script like this and he, i was so fucking horrible and he goes i can work with you We'll, we'll make this work because you got heat. He was like trumping everything. He's like, I got to get this guy before he gets back and get something. So I get back with my heat. My agent went to ICM. So I have new agents. And they all sit me in a room and go, we're turning that down. You're better than that. I go, better than my, my own show on Fox? They go, you need to go to NBC. They've got Cosby. They've got all these shows. You got, I go, but... I, I don't, I'm wow. not even fucking any good. Like, this is a trick, you know? This guy liked me. So turn it down, get my car stolen, go back to Bobcat. He lends me six grand for another car. Now I'm in the hole. Then proceed to go on 30 auditions where I bomb every single one and ICM drops me. Wow. And I go, I, I couldn't have been at a lower point. I go, wait, I told you I can't act. This guy was willing to work with me. How old were you here? What was the age? 21, 22. Jesus. But these are, these are so, this is such a good story. And for my listeners, you know, when he says heat, he's referring to, uh, that's industry talk, entertainment talk. You know, when you're, a lot you of know, attention. you're new on the scene, everybody's watching you. You got heat on And you. everybody wants you. Yes. You got a couple yes. things going for you. And people start going, wait, is this the new guy? Is this the guy we're supposed to? Oh, and then that, it's like suddenly everyone wants you because they put me in a movie. So now they see me at the improv. They go, oh, we have to be the guy that gets this guy. And you know, you have, phases in your life we have heat and then you and then you don't you're just cold and you're just doing your thing and you hope you generate some heat again get some attention going but this i had it was unaware of it came back fully fucking fumbled it and then you know my manager mark Irvitz, who's a great guy he's a, he's at brillstein and he uh you know how he saved my life almost literally you know who he is great guy and i'm still with him but about three years ago he says Oh yeah, remember I was telling the story about it. I go, oh, I fucked that up. And then I was at ICM. And then I left ICM to go to Abrams Artists. They were a little smaller, but and he goes, You left ICM? And I go, Yeah, remember? And he goes, Oh, right, that's what I told you. And I go, What do you mean? He goes, They left you. I go, Oh shut up. Shit. He goes, Oh, yeah, I couldn't tell you that then. I said we left because you couldn't have handled it. I go, I couldn't have. I couldn't have. 
What a manager. What a great, that little move. What a great manager. Almost saved me from total collapse. I would have moved back to Arizona. Well, I mean, look, you're, 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 talking, about, you're talking about punch after punch. Yeah. You're talking about taking it's a, too much. A, a, yeah, a, a consistent, a consistent amount of body shots, and, and and that's the fucked up thing about stand-up comedy and entertainment. This is the thing that people don't know. They see the success, but they don't see the road to oh. it. Um, I mean, goddamn, how how do you eventually get to the point of success? What's the first What's the first big thing you book? Well, let me uh, step back a step because I think I think you said you're from Philadelphia, and you're probably big stuff was maybe going to New York. I'm from Arizona and everyone talks about moving to LA. I did. Everyone used to talk about it when they're drunk. I might go to LA. I might go to LA. That was the big cool thing. We're pretty close to LA. We weren't LA, but I did it. And so I had some respect for doing it, but it was such a beating. The other layer of insanity was going back to Arizona and everyone's like, what are you doing? Why don't you have anything? Why haven't seen you on TV? What's going on? Why haven't you made it yet? And I'm just sitting in like some shitty, room in LA like with two spots a week at midnight at the improv going why am I even doing this why you know it's just so hard to hang in there question it and uh yeah yeah and then finally fuck I don't even know what the thing was I think I got an HBO young comedian special and that's because Dennis Miller helped me Gervitz and Brad Gray helped me get on it um it was a young comedian special but it was funny because I don't know if you remember this first there's the Rodney Dangerfield one on HBO if people don't know that was like a huge one Mm -hmm. HBO was the only pretty much cool cable game in town they would have specials and they were fucking unreal. Eddie Murphy, you know, you remember all these things. And then they would have Dangerfield would have about five comedians, Jim Carrey, Kinnison, Saget, all these, it was, it was a big deal. And so they had a young comedians one. And so I was trying to get on that and I missed it every year. I'd get close and they'd put like Richard Belzer and I'm like, um, I'm actually a young comedian. I mean, you know, come on guys. But you know, Belzer was like 77 and he's like, Hey, I go, I think he's been discovered. I, I, you know, let's break somebody over here. So the next year I get it, but there's only five and I was sixth. So I get the word, ah, you didn't quite cut it again. I'm like, now I'm running out of, I, I just am like flatlining and uh, Dennis Miller is the host. He goes, I'm going to try to get you on. And then Brad Gray and Gervitz go, we're the producers of it. So they made him use six instead of five. Another great move. Wow. Wow. I'm, Dave, dude, I'm loving your story. I'm loving the fucking story. And, I, and I, here's the crazy thing. I had no idea. I had no idea about your, your road to glory. You just see me walking around with my feathered hair. Yeah, I, I had no idea, man. Some Prada knockoff shirt. You took your beating. You took, I took your a beating. beating, yeah. You took your beating. And and the move to L.A., goddamn, I, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the, the lows of just like, what the fuck, did I make the right decision? And you don't really know anyone, and you're like, and comics and no one really wants you to do good. <laughs> you know what I mean? You start to blow up and people are like, fuck, I heard this guy's an asshole. And you're like, huh? Oh, me? But that's just the way it is. And, and you know, you had a few friends, but they're all on the road. You know, the real comics are working and what do you do all day? And mm. it's just, it's a rough, rough ride. You did it. In Philadelphia, was it the deal? You had a lot of clubs though, but was the deal to make it to New York? Cause Arizona didn't have it really was, many clubs. It was, well, here's the thing. I couldn't move to New York. I couldn't afford to live in New York. So I drove from Philadelphia to New York every night. Oh, and uh, what's that? An hour or two hours? Uh, two hours. But you know, once you that's a beating it, in itself, a uh, very big beat, very big beat. So if you, you bomb, know, you drive home the whole time, just thinking, Jesus Christ, I just say, well, the, the bomb is in relation to what you were saying. It's just the questioning of, are you doing the right thing and sticking to it? Right? Like, like sticking to the decision to follow the dream that you have made your dream. All right. I now know what my purpose is. I'm going to keep going. And that's the, that's the tough part. 
the hard part is patting yourself on the back because no one is really a big support crew because no one's seeing you every night. No one, you're, you're doing these dinky clubs on your own and just not embarrassed, but you just kind of want to go grind it out and you don't want to invite friends down because you're on late or you might get bombed or you're only doing four minutes. And, and then you got to, I tape them and listen to them and, it, and you go, there's something there. You know, you just got to find a positive and go, I got that one got a lot. I think I can work on that. And it's like a Rubik's cube. Every night you go, I think, I think I have something here. I think I'm good. Man, it's tough to keep that hype train going on yourself. When, when did SNL come? Oh yeah. So, okay. So there's the young comedian special when I was like 23, 24, that airs a couple months later, SNL sees it. Uh, they call me up. Do you want to come audition? I fly to New York and audition and, uh, you know, same thing, you know, luckily Brillstein Gray had a lot of SNL people. So they at least knew Lorne Michaels. They knew the whole system and no guarantees, but at least they were familiar. Rob Schneider was, was on the special with me. He got pulled out. Tom Kenny was another comedian from San Fran. He got pulled out. So we had a big audition. Wow. Did not, did not do well. Couldn't be more wow. terrified. What did you do? What did you do for the audition? Were there characters or did you do? <laughs> no, that's you do? why, you know, that's why SNL wasn't really on my radar because now I wanted to be a sitcom guy. Mm-hmm. This is kind of how this whole conversation started. I wanted to be a sitcom guy at this point because I go, that's something I think I can handle. Be fun, be in a scene, it's filmed in town. I didn't really, I didn't realize the beauty of filming in town, you know, until later in life. But, but I go, it's just like a fun thing I think I could do. And uh, movies were sort of so big and uh, too far out of reach. And so sketch comedy was not my thing at all. I thought I was kind of fast on my feet, but by no means was I doing a lot of characters. So I didn't really know why they wanted to see me. So I auditioned. I don't do that well, but Dennis Miller says, they're just going to look at your writing. And so I go, yeah, but I wanted to kill. I didn't kill. And then uh, I thought, all right, well. And then Schneider and I got hired together. We both got called in to, to write for other people and maybe be a performer, but mostly write. And it was flattering, but who the fuck? I wanted to be on. I'm like, now I want to be on. I don't want to be in the behind the scenes. Wow. I got the bug. Wow. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. I got to be honest with you, man. It's so it's just so dope to hear the discovery and, and everything that you're saying and, and just how, how this kind of lined up for you. Because the thing that you didn't think that you would be able to do, that you didn't really want to do, you were fucking great on. You Yo, SNL, yeah. Yes. SNL took a long time to get in and crack that code of writing and writing a sketch and doing like characters. And I think I ultimately worked out and I think it's looked back on, on pretty positively, you know, uh, it is only because I, I sort of found a niche of being whatever sarcastic, but listen, even if you come out a one trick pony, you at least had a trick. Like there's people on SNL, you, they can't get shit going. It's just so hard. Then they leave. Then the next step is you leave. Now are you going to die off like everyone else? It's so hard to keep that treading water in your career because you see people that are doing okay now or you see people that are in the business that you go, oh, they're pretty good. 
and you see some people like full of themselves about it, but you go try it for five years, try it for 10 years, try it for it's fucking brutally hard to keep those balls in the air and just to be somewhat relevant, just to keep anything going. You, you got to, the grind is not ending. Well, it's the machine of SNL as well. You know I mean? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people hear, you hear the murmurs, but it's hard. Uh, it's not easy. It's not a, it's not an easy um, system to be embedded in and, and get out of. So, you know, the long nights of writing and pitching, um, they pay off for some, but not for most. And, yeah. and those that do figure it out, um, find success and you just from the writing and from the sketches. And like you said, the sarcastic side to a yeah. lot of your characters, you said like that was your, your trick, but shit, that trick put you in sketches and multiple sketches. Yeah. It gave you a presence, um, and a strong presence on the show. Yeah. They said, Oh, Spade can do this. You know what? Spade can uh, throw him in there. But I also had Dana Carvey there. He's the one I do the podcast with now. And he was sort of the king of the jungle there. He, he was a better version of me. He kind of looked like me. He was, great at characters, great impressions. He played every president. He played every big star. If a star looked like Sandler, Sandler would play him. If he looked like me, Dana would play him, <laughs> you know? So that was a tough, another beat down. That's why people, when they get well-known, they're crazy because they finally get somewhere where they get a couple beans in their jeans. But the, the road there was so tough. You go, God damn, I fucking made it. And you're like, yeah. And then you just collapse and go, fuck it. It's hard. So I was at SNL, another hard place where you're just trying to scrape by. Well, you and you have relationships that have lasted, right? Like these these relationships yeah. that that you have made on SNL um, have turned into lifelong, lifelong relationships, right? I mean, you and Dana, you guys, uh, you do a, is, is it a podcast you guys do now? Yeah, a podcast uh, called Fly on the Wall. It's just basically Dana and I, get people from SNL and we just talk about their experience because we just made it where if you were a writer, a host, a cast member, or a music act, we can talk to you. So it's sort of, it's pretty wide net because everyone's, that covers a lot of people, but it, it's fun to hear what they have to say. And then they ask us about it, you know, because we were all sort of in the trenches. I think Conan's the one that came on this week. We had Tina Fey last week. It's really fun because some of them I don't know well, some of them I do know well, some I was there with. Uh, we had Rock. I saw Rock last night, who loves you, and I said I was doing something with you today. Kevin Hart. Yeah, that's my fucking. Guy, he goes man. on and on. Yeah, he loves you. He goes. This guy him. sells tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go, Rock. You sell tickets. He goes, No, no. <laughs> Kevin Hart. <laughs> I said we were joking about how big you play places, and I go, I go. There's these comics that play the biggest place. I go, Rock. You play big places. Some of these comics, it's like. They had to push two stadiums together <laughs> for one show. I'm like, it's, it's true that, yeah. I, by the way, I hear about these podcasters that are just crushing people. I don't really know are, you know, you're a household name. There's Chris is a household name. There's people that really sell and do well and have the huge fan base and I get it. And then there's some, I just don't get, cause I'm not on the pulse of fucking the world of crypto and metaverse, but all those things are tied together. But there's guys that are out there selling so many theaters that I don't even know, you know? And I start to go, fuck, it's a new world. It's weird how it happens. When it happens, it happens. But, mm -hmm. you know, a, a following is, is exactly that, a following. And, and, and sometimes them fucking followings, they get bigger and bigger because of the conversation attached to them. Um, and, and with us, within the world of stand-up comedy, funny travels fast. Yeah. Funny travels. The conversation of funny travels fast. I'm, I'm as jealous as the next guy. And when I was on SNL, I was... You know, it's hard to watch everyone do great. And Sandler was blowing up. And 
Dana's always killing and Mike Myers. There's so many great people there when I was there, but it's hard to keep yourself in check and go, I'm pulling for them because they're my friends. I want to do well myself. And that's, that's, you know, in the comedy world, when I watch people that are good, I think a lot of comics do this. I go right up to them, tell them like, that's like a camaraderie where if you recognize game, you see two jokes from someone, you go, Oh fuck, this guy's got something going on. And then that's so go, good. What you just said, man, uh, because it's what our, it's what our world lacks, right? Like yeah. we don't have enough of it and rightfully so. Like, I think you, you made a, you made a really good point just now by saying, fuck man, I'm watching everybody around me mm. do what I do and they're getting, they're getting more success. Yeah. And it's very tough to be the guy that's not getting that yet. Right. Yeah. And I remember there was a point in my career where I was watching, you know, I was watching Cat. I was watching Mike. I was watching uh, Bill Bellamy. I was watching, you know, th this 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 other this other generation. Or well, I guess we're we're I was a part of their generation as well. But I was watching the the baton get passed, um, and it seemed like it just seemed like it was getting passed all around me. And you're younger, you think it's your time. You think that it should be you, but it shouldn't because. You're still learning. You're still getting molded. So when you talk about Mike Myers, you talk about Adam, uh, you talk about Dana Carvey, you know, these guys were in such a fucking great groove and in a great thing. Yeah. And you're there. But what you don't realize is that you're picking up from all of that. Greatness. Oh, yeah. You're learning and you're you're slowly but surely you're strengthening and you're you're getting better. And they're waiting for the fucking moment like that ball's about to drop for you. And it did. Yeah. But I was a person just like that too, Dave, where I was looking at everybody else like, what the fuck? Like, what Why? the fuck, yeah. man? When? When are they going to notice? Like, I'm, I am too. Me too. Yeah. Come over here and see this. Because first of all, you can't say that those comics you listed are bad. The thing is, you go, they're good, but I'm pretty good. Like, it's not that big of a gap, but it's just not your time. And SNL... It took me the longest out of all those guys. I was writing and then they wouldn't make me a cast member. And then I was writing and I'm like, it's hard to write for Mike Myers. It's hard to write for other people or, you know, Glenn Close comes in or, you know, Tom Hanks, you got to write jokes for them and write sketches and not yourself. They tell you, no, it's not your time yet. And I'm like, this isn't how I pitched it. I don't know how to fucking write, but you learn and you watch these genius writers and you listen to read through and you go, I'm just trying to figure this out of what works, how they write it. So it's how many sets and this, oh, that seems to, oh, and you need this transition. And you just start, if you pay attention and don't give up, you know, and then you start to make things work. And when I was doing this uh, Hollywood Minute thing where I was making fun of people and Lauren uh, finally said, why don't you do that again next week? I like that. And I was like, oh, really? And this is when I was three years in and not getting on a lot. And every summer they're like, they don't know if they're going to bring you back. So I'd have to move back to like move out of my place. And then two months later, all right, they'll bring you back. No raise or anything, but they bring. I'm like, move back, carry a mattress. No Uber, None. Kevin. None. No, uh, you know, yes, yeah. task rabbit. <laughs> I'm up there, <laughs> you know. All I want is mattress. It got down to mattress, desk, legal pad, pen, <laughs> phone, and that's it. You know, one bowl, one spoon. Because I go, I'm gonna move again when they tell me they don't know if they're bringing me back. And then got on a little bit of run there. Thank God for the last two, three years, and then. Fucking Farley and Sandler left, and that was a bummer. I was like, I'm going to go one more year because they were blowing up so big. You couldn't stop them. And I go, I think I could use one more year to figure this out. Did another year and then went on and locked into Just Shoot Me, a sitcom. You know, that was but another one. That's where, the thing. Is it luck, Dave? Is it luck? I mean, 
that was me not really betting on myself. That was me strategizing going, they will give you your own show. Any network at that point, leaving us now would have said, you can have your own show. We'll try it. But there was a guy, Larry Sanders show, which is really good. One of their writers was doing a show called Just Shoot Me. They had shot it. It had a good cast. NBC liked it. They had shot it and they got all the way to the fucking upfronts where they announced shows in New York, flew one of the girls out, Laura. And then that night go, you know what? It's four people. I think it needs to be five. We're pulling it from the schedule. And they were like, what? And so Brad Mark showed it to me and said, do you think you could add yourself to this? Because we need one more person in this. And, and then NBC, they really want it. And I go, I'll go with the one that's on the one yard line because you do your own show and it doesn't work. You lose your heat. Yeah. Our heat thing. You yeah. know, you might not get another shot. So I go, let me blend into one. I'm not like these other people. They're all good. I could do my own thing. And I think that's a safe bet. I'm the fifth lead, but it doesn't really matter because if you score, you score. You know what I mean? People will find you. So I tried that. And luckily that worked because it's not just me. It's like the writing and this, and the scheduling, everything has to work. And your role progressed. Yeah. And then I got in it more and in it more. And then, uh, Yes, you, you progressed. Uh, how many seasons did you end up doing Just Shoot Me? We did six. And by that last season, I got on the cover of Rolling Stone. I got on the cover of um, Entertainment Weekly. Uh, and as a comic, you know, it's hard to get on Rolling Stone. Uh, it, it's very it was, big. Uh, That's that was a, a big one. Massive thing. And then that show ended, and I went and uh, did a couple more movies and stuff. You know, it's sort of like we have a similar path. It sounds like we had a similar uh, upbringing there. And then getting to this point of being in the showbiz, and then covering some different things. Uh, I think you do more. You, you're doing a lot, but it, it, it's sort of hard. Everything's different, but all things are challenging and all things, if you think you can do it, it's fun. It's fun to do a movie for me once in a while. And uh, it, it, it takes it out of me, but I do like them. Um, I keep fake retiring. I told Sandler, I go, no more movies. He goes, yeah, okay. And then about six months later, any more movies? <laughs> so what is that? Like, how did that, that relationship fun. evolved? To the to the creative space that it that it went in, you know, the one thing that I've taken from Adam, I'm a sponge. I take something from all all the greats, yeah. right? And with Adam, Adam is very he's so loyal. Yeah, very loyal, man. And you know, in the world of, I think I think if you judge a person's success correctly, it should be judged off of the success of those around them. Yeah, right. It's not just the one. And when you look at that 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 pool of individuals that have kind of been a part of that that circle, yeah. like there's been a lot of individual moments as well. And I love that. Yeah. I love that it's not just about Adam, right? Like it's about it's about the machine. It's about the circle and making sure that everybody is. Yeah, is, we all got an opportunity. He likes that. I mean, he he got when I've done movies at work. Some movies don't work, uh, but when we wrote there's movies for sure that he helped push along joe dirt would never have happened without adam uh, dickie roberts would joe never dirt's happen. funny as fuck. and it's one of those ones where you like i have a lot of faith in it and we think it's just a weird movie but i go it'd be really great if we could do it it's just it's not a slam dunk you know i'm not one of those top 12 comedic actors or stars of the world you know back then a studio makes maybe 12 movies a year and you know, one's going to Tom Hanks, one's going to DiCaprio, one's going, and one's going to Will Smith or whatever it was then. And, and then to get in there is very tough. And one's, and Adam, mm -hmm. 
And so to get one of those to make one of mine, you know, it's a lower budget, but it could be some big upside. Adam got um, Joe Dirt made after Warner's dropped it. I was at Warner's, it dropped it and went and turned around and he did it. And those are the really big favors that matter. And then when it pays off for Adam, it's great for me too, because I go, he risked it. It turned into a movie bet on me. and he bet on me. You, and, bet on you know, me. I'm loyal back. I'm going to bust my ass. I'm not going to be a prima donna on the set. I'm not going to cause any trouble for him. And then we still do that stuff. And then when it turned into grownups, where it was just all melded together where he goes, let's all do one together. Super fun. I wish we were still doing those because you know, we're keeping the lights on at TBS. It's on probably six times a day, <laughs> along with bench warmers and Joe Dirt and all these other ones. So, but I love that it's the relationship of these guys that have so yeah. much history together, right? And I love that the the storyline is almost parallel to the real life, yeah. right? Like you, you guys, you guys grown up together. You motherfuckers have seen each other go from boys to men. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Adam, talking about you, Chris, Kevin, I mean, the, the cast is one thing, but there's real, real, real relationships yeah. in there. Um, and I don't know, I've just, I've always been envious of that. I, I love it. Um, it's, it's visible, like you said, that you are, you're grateful for the opportunities that have come your way from him. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're, you're a guy that just gets it, you understand it. But now it makes sense just hearing your story, hearing your road um, of, of trajectory of how you got to where you are. I think it's just dope as fuck. Um, stand up, stand up comedy is still a yeah. thing. Are you still fucking prioritizing? I know you go up. I know you still mess around. I'm yeah. Doing a special this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think rock and I are going on tonight just to practice. Um, mm -hmm. I go on. Where are you guys going? I think we're just going to the store. I'm a fucking come. <laughs> I'm should. going to come. What time are y'all going? We're going early, like eight 30. Babe, babe, babe. I'm right here. She probably not gonna answer me. Oh, you're talking to your wife? Yeah, I gotta say it early while I'm on here because then. <laughs> oh, you let him get, out get it in? Yeah, yeah I'm like, see, honey. <laughs> uh, say it's mandatory. Like say spade. I promise, spade. I I'm go gonna, down, if you guys are down. gonna do it, I'm, I'm serious. I'm gonna fucking pop up. I'm oh, going wait. to pop up. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. I'm done at like eight, so I can just pop up. I don't see yeah. why not. Right, you got you got some energy, dude. No, I don't. I don't have it. I'm hoping that I'll have it by the time I'm done today. <laughs> but you guys going down there? I want to see. I want to fucking see it. Let's see what she says. We're supposed to have dinner. You know. You know, run it by. Run yeah, up the yeah, run by the boss. See run what happens. Boss. Yeah. See what the fuck happens. Still doing stand up. I'll do a special. It'll be out in April, and then the uh, podcast right now. So we'll we'll see. It's always goes in different phases. You know that anything you do, you're like me. That if you do. Anything you got to put a lot into it. I don't want to half-ass anything. If I say yes to something, I want to do it right and try. I don't know what's going to work or not, but at least I'm not going to fucking uh, walk through it. I owe people that are paying me. I want to do a good job, so I'm doing my shit and just out there, same stuff. I'll tell you what, man, um, David. I am. I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a bigger fan today than I than I was yesterday, Thank just you. because I didn't know that we had the similarities. I didn't know. Um, you know, that we, we share those moments together. Uh, more importantly, man, you know, you've, you've, you've been around some shit. You, you have rubbed elbows with some of the biggest and best. And because of that, that shit rubs off. It's yeah. contagious, man. Your, your company, your company is, is absolutely contagious Very to yeah. the person that you become, the person that you are. And you've been in great comedic and creative company for years for years and for years and for years and 
you know, the coincidence, all right, we can say it one time. The luck, all right, we can say it again. But after a while, we got to realize that that's right. not the case at all. You know, the, the but talented you know people person. like get like a break. If if there's no game there, it, it can't last forever mm -hmm. because you got to keep every day is an audition. Someone's going to see you do something and go, oh, he's pretty good or oh, he isn't. So you can't really walk through anything because there's someone that sees you for the first time or someone that goes, eh, they judge you hard on. 10 minutes of a movie you're in. You just got to keep it up all the time. Keep up your stand-up. Try to be good. And then hopefully it just keeps going. We guess buy, but yeah, me and Rock are like, this works. So we just bought ourselves showbiz for another six months. That's it. <laughs> That's about all you get. That's it. That's it. And you got to do it again. That's it. What else you got? Hey, what listen, else you got? You, as long as you continue to create and recreate, we're in a place of good. Um, yeah. Guys, this is what this podcast is about. It's about exactly what you just saw what you just heard. It's about, it's about the understanding of who you thought you knew, what you thought you knew, you realized you didn't know. And now that makes you <laughs> want to know some more. Um, yeah. A fucking legend, Appreciate man. It. Appreciate a it, legend, a legend to the game and to the world of comedy. Uh, and I love that you've done it your way. And I love that David Spade has a specific style for him to him that cannot be duplicated. You got a thing, it. man. Thank you. you got a Thank dope you, ass buddy. thing. When you talk about Joe dirt, <laughs> Let me tell you something about Joe Dirt, man. Let me tell you something about fucking Joe Dirt, man. The goddamn tank top, the jeans, the, ca the character in general from top to bottom. Uh, guys, if you have not seen Joe Dirt, educate yourself on Joe Dirt. Please educate yourself on Joe Dirt. Is that good? That funny? Um, this is Comedy Gold Mines. And oh my God, what an amazing mind we got to get into today. We talked to David, the legend fucking Spade. And Thank you, we heard a story that is one of so many trials and tribulations, but that's what it takes sometimes to get to the gold. David, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, dude. All right. Miss you already. Right. I'll see you out there, bud. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.